Good morning, everybody. If you have your Bibles, and I really hope you do this time, turn over to Galatians chapter 2, and we're going to read through verses 15 through 21. Now, like I said, these are some of Paul's most dense or densest and most complex scriptures. So what I want to do this morning is I want to read through verses 15 to 21 so we get a sense of where we're going, what we're doing, and then we're going to set some foundation, and then we're going to go in and dig in, all right? So again, uh, I am reading from the ESV version, and I've got a few translation uh, changes I'm going to make, but I'll go ahead and read through the ESV the way it's written in this first run-through. So Paul writes this, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. Yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. So also we have believed in Jesus Christ, or Christ Jesus, in order to be justified by faith in Christ and not by works of the law, because by works of the law no one will be justified. But if in our endeavor to be justified in Christ, we too were found to be sinners, is Christ then a servant of sin? Certainly not. For if I rebuild what I tore down, I prove myself to be a transgressor. For through the law, I died to the law so that I might live to God. I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not nullify the grace of God, for if righteousness were through the law, then Christ died for no purpose, or Christ died for nothing. And that last verse there shows the import of this issue that Paul's confronting. Basically, to the Galatian believers, if these rival teachers are right, then Christ died for nothing. That's how big an issue it is. Now, let's set some foundation because, you know, just reading through that, I know that years and years and years ago, when I would read through this part of Galatians, you know, I just got confused. I said, I didn't understand um, Paul saying, it's Christ then, a servant of sin. I didn't understand what he was talking about there. He didn't, I didn't understand. I proved myself to be a transgressor and... For through the law, I died to the law. I mean, what's he mean about all these things? So let's set some foundation, and then I think we're going to get through verses 15 and 16, and we're going to work our way through so we have a good understanding of what Paul is saying in these dense scriptures. The first point I want to make is that you see here, let's see, um, verse 16, Paul writes, uh, but through faith in Jesus Christ, I'm going to change that translation a little bit, but that word Christ, we've gone through that before, where Christ means Israel's Messiah. The rest of the world didn't have a Messiah. We're talking about Israel's Messiah. And so when we read Christ, actually you could translate it through Jesus the Messiah or Jesus Messiah or Messiah Jesus. And what that does is that keeps, uh, keeps things tight to the understanding that God is working through Israel to save the world. 
All right? Now, the other thing I want to point out about Christ or Christos in the Greek is that you're going to see that it is incorporative. And we're going to get to that. Uh, Again, verse 16, you see, so we also have believed in Christ Jesus. We're going to get to that translation, but Christ is incorporative. And that means identification. That's not preached too often in the church today, but it is fundamental to Christianity that we are identified with Christ because he at first identified with us. And then going on to, uh, again, verse 16. Verse 16 is a verse that I think that ESV translators and modern translators have gotten wrong. Uh, We read, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law, but through faith in Jesus Christ. If you go back to the King James Version, it says, uh, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. And I think the King James translators got it right. Because what Paul is talking about is, what he's pinpointing is the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. So uh, we're gonna when we get to it, verse sixteen, the idea is the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, not so much faith in. That's the second part of uh, you might call it verse sixteen b. So we also have believed. Actually, the Greek is into Christ Jesus. You've got that there, but before that, you read, but through the faithfulness. Of Jesus Christ. And what is Paul talking about there? He's talking about his death, burial, and resurrection. When you get into the redemption narrative, Jesus was born a man, you know, born of a woman, born under the law. We're going to get to that. He was a man who actually had to rely upon God the Father to raise him from the dead. And so that is his faithfulness to the Father's redemptive plan, his death, burial, and resurrection. And that is the focus that Paul has in Galatians. In fact, it's mostly the focus of all of Paul's letters. A lot of times what we hear is preachers talk about the teachings of Jesus. In fact, you have a lot of unbelievers say, well, I kind of like the teachings of Jesus. I believe in the teachings Well, Paul here is not talking so much about the teachings. He's talking about Christ's faithfulness unto death, unto the cross, all the way until he's resurrected on the third day. Amen. The next thing I wanted to deal with is this word. Let's see. uh, Again, verse 16. Let's go down to the very last word, justified. Um, You have justified. Uh, Some English translations say made righteous. The Greek word is a big word with Paul. It's a big word in redemption. Now, many times today uh, with other preachers, you hear about righteousness uh, being associated with the law court. Usually it's, it's preached this way. In fact, I've got the voice of a preacher in my head right now uh, hearing him preach about righteousness. The idea is 
uh, God declares people innocent. If somebody is righteous before God, God has made a judicial declaration that that person is innocent. In fact, what I'm hearing this preacher say in my head was, he said, righteousness doesn't have to do with any kind of change of nature or any kind of inner reformation. And he made the analogy to marriage. He said, you know, when I got married, I'm standing before the minister, standing beside my wife. One moment I am single, and the next moment I am married. Nothing has changed with me, just the legal uh, relationship that I have with my wife. And he says, that is what righteousness is all about in the New Testament. And I'll tell you that I believe he's wrong. And he's wrong based upon scriptures. So uh, do this. Go down to Galatians 3.21 because I want you to see this. Paul says here, uh, Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if a law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law. Now see that, see righteousness and life kind of go together. You could turn this around, if the law could have given life, then righteousness would be by the law, right? But Paul says, for if a law had been given that could give life, the law couldn't give life, then righteousness would indeed be by the law, all right? So you see that righteousness involves life. Now, Most of the time I tell you, don't flip to other scriptures, but this time we're laying a foundation. So flip over to 1 Timothy 3.16. I want you to see this because we're establishing our understanding of righteousness. Now, what I'm saying is righteousness involves life. And we're going to see that it involves spiritual life first, and then it's going to involve natural life later on. Um, But in 1 Timothy 3.16, Paul uh, here writes this, Great indeed, we confess, is the mystery of godliness. He, meaning Jesus, was manifested in the flesh, and the ESV says, vindicated by the Spirit. Now you go back to the King James. This is another one where the King James, I think, gets it right, and the ESV gets it wrong. And let me explain. In the King James, um, it says justified or made righteous in the Spirit. Now, this is talking about Jesus. And this is talking about Jesus with the resurrection. Now, the reason why I think the uh, ESV gets it wrong is that word vindication is, it doesn't, uh, the connotation is that Jesus was righteous throughout the whole thing, death, burial, and resurrection. Because when you go back to the Greek, uh, that word vindicated in the Greek is a passive, and it basically says, was made righteous, or was justified in spirit. Well, if you, if you sit back and consider that, that means that he was not justified in spirit at one point in time. And that would be when, what? When he was made sin on the cross. He was not 
justified or righteous in spirit when he was made sin on the cross. And that's why I think the ESV gets it wrong because this vindication means he was righteous the whole time. In fact, I have another preacher going off in my head where he says this. He says that Jesus was crucified as a false Messiah and the resurrection proved that he was the true Messiah all along, therefore he was vindicated. But that's not what the scripture says. Paul writes and he says that Jesus was made righteous in spirit, meaning that he had to be unrighteous at one point in time in order to be made righteous. And that occurred, we know, in the resurrection. Now, turn over to 1 Peter 3.18 because I want you to see this. Okay, that is one aspect of what we would say righteousness. One aspect is made right before God, right standing before God. You're made righteous. But here's the other side of the coin that we see in 1 Peter 3.18. And understand Peter is a different gospel writer, but it's one gospel. And writers bring different, uh, different facets of the same gospel to bear in their letters. So Paul, uh, Peter writes this. This is ESV. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but look at this, but made alive in the Spirit. Now the ESV gets that right, because going back to the Greek, it is uh, made, made alive in spirit. Now think about that a minute, because what Peter is doing is he's taking the life side of being made righteous, right? We just read that Jesus was made righteous in the spirit, and that's in 1 Timothy, and Peter talking about the very same event, the very same thing going on, looks at it from the side of life and says, but he, Jesus, was made alive in spirit, and that's in the resurrection. Amen. So what we're going to see is, uh, you know, I mentioned identification. That's our identification in Christ. We were unrighteous at one point in time, but we are made righteous, meaning right standing with God. But at the very same time, the very same event is what? We're made alive with Christ also. And that is... That those are the double aspects of righteousness. It's not just being called innocent by some law court, the way that some preachers put it. No, there is an ontological change. Your spirit is reborn. You become like he is in spirit. Amen. After the resurrection. So you keep that in mind as we go through these verses. The last thing that I want to set the foundation on is works of the law. Go back to Galatians 2, verse 15. Um, and again, we land on 16. It said, We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners, yet we know that a person is not justified by works of the law. Now, in prior messages, I have talked about the Torah, and the Torah has a couple meanings to it, depending upon the context. It can be the five 
first books of the Bible, the Pentateuch, that can be the Torah, or it can be all of the Hebrew scriptures, in our minds, the whole Old Testament, the, the Law of Moses, the, uh, the prophets, and the group that we call the writings, meaning Psalms and Proverbs and those types of books, Ecclesiastes. Now, I'm going to change my vocabulary a little bit to keep up with the Apostle Paul, because he doesn't say Torah, he calls it the law. Now, what I want to emphasize is that, and I think I've said this before, uh, there's a lot of preaching actually today where the law is defined as some kind of natural principle, some kind of natural law up there. Paul doesn't use law that way. When he says law, he's talking about Sinai. He's talking about the Old Covenant. Now here, in verse 16, he says, by works of the law, and what does he mean by that? These are the particular practices of the Jews as they lived under the Scriptures, under the Old Testament Scriptures. These uh, involve circumcision, uh, the dietary laws, Sabbath, festivals, Day of Atonement, all those things that you go back and read in the Old Testament that the Jews actually did and performed. Those are works of the law. Works of the law is, is not the popular connotation that God set down a law, uh, an impossible law. He kind of baited everybody. You know, he, he gives the law to the Jews, and then he points the finger at the Jews and says, look, nobody can do this. See, so you really need a Savior, so I'm going to send Jesus later on. It's nothing like that at all. That's not the way that Paul looks at it. Um, the Jews consider themselves safe. Why? Because they had the Sinai Covenant. They had the Law of Moses. And you can see that, actually, in this issue with Galatians, because you have believing Jews who tell believing Gentiles, well, you need to come in under the law. Because why? Because the law is actually the fence of the body of Christ, is what they're preaching. And Paul's pointing out, well, no, that's all wrong. That's all wrong. So when we read works of the law, uh, you know, you read it like this. These are what the Jews did while living under the old covenant. All right? Now, with those things in mind, we need to start digging into the scriptures. Now, let me set the scene again for you. Remember, Paul tells how he confronted Peter to his face in front of everybody. Why? Because Peter, after having what? The Gentile Pentecost, having the vision, sitting down with Cornelius and his family, eventually gets to the point in the Antioch church where he separates himself from Galatian believers and separates himself and the other believing Jews, and they basically uh, fence them off, the believing Gentiles. So the implication is, you guys aren't following the law. You, got, you guys are not um, coming in under the law, and therefore we're separated. You've got more to go in your salvation. And in fact, let me read to you again Acts 15.5, if you've been following along. But some believers who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, now these are 
believers, but some believers, it says, who belonged to the party of the Pharisees rose up and said, it is necessary to circumcise them. These are Gentiles, you know, the rest of us. And to order them to keep the law of Moses. And that's what you see Peter doing. Even though he had that vision, Paul says he is drawn back. Now we get into Galatians 2.15. Paul gripes out Peter at the very, in, in the verses right before this. Creates a scene, and now in verse 15, let me uh, pull these up. What we see in verses 15 to 21, and this is interesting because uh, I didn't know that you needed to read the word this way for a very long time. But, okay, setting the scene. Peter has separated himself out with the believing Jews, and they're, uh, they're say, on the left side of the room, saying, uh, we're not going to sit down with these unclean believing Gentiles because they need to come in under the law, otherwise they're unclean. Contradiction to what Peter saw in his vision. And then you got the believing Gentiles on the right who have been deserted. All right? Well, you can imagine this, that Paul sees the believing Jews on the left side of the room and the believing Gentiles on the right. And verses 15 to 21, he addresses not the believing Galatians, but the believing Jews. Basically, what he does is he expounds on why Peter is wrong. So he's basically telling these believing Jews why they're wrong to separate themselves from the believing Gentiles. Okay, you got that? All right, now let's go ahead and start reading in. You're going to understand this part of Galatians a whole lot more than you did before if you didn't know this. So Paul says, we ourselves are Jews by birth. See that? Well, and not Gentile sinners. He's speaking to the believing. Uh, he's speaking to Peter. He's speaking to say uh, Barnabas is over there because Barnabas was led astray too. And all these other believing Jews, he said, we ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. You see, there's two types of people there. See what Paul's doing? He's talking about the Jews by birth, those who were under the law by birth, the Jews. And then you have everybody else. Now, you don't have to turn there, but let me read to you Ephesians 2.15 to flesh this out a little bit. Actually, that is the wrong verse. All right, um, I've, got it, I've got it on my screen. That's the wrong verse, but in Ephesians... Paul talks about how the Gentiles were, what? Outside the commonwealth of Israel. Without God and without hope in the world. That's why he calls, uh, he's talking about Gentile sinners. That's the way that the Jews under the old covenant viewed Gentiles, that they were the sinners. They were outside the covenant. The Jews considered themselves to be inside. They're safe. But all the Gentiles are sinners because they're outside. So that's what Paul's talking about. We ourselves are Jews by birth and not Gentile sinners. And then verse 16. 
Now, I'm going to read this with the changes that I want to make, that faithfulness of Christ, so you understand what he's saying here. He says, yet we. Now, notice that he says we. He's talking about himself. Paul was a Jew. He's also talking about Peter, because Peter was a Jew, right? And he's talking about Barnabas, even though they separated themselves out. He says, we ourselves This is Paul, Peter, Barnabas, and the rest of the Jews. We ourselves are Jews by birth, yet we know. We believing Jews, is what he's saying, know that a person is not justified, what? Made righteous. Right standing with God, made alive, what? Made alive too, that a person is not justified or made righteous by works of the law. By living under what? The Hebrew Scriptures. By living under the Torah. But through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, meaning his death, burial, and resurrection. So notice what he's saying. He said, we know, we believing Jews know, we know This is a revelation of the mystery of Christ. We know that a person is not made righteous, justified by works of the law, maintaining maintaining your compliance with the law. Torah observance is one way to put it, but through the faithfulness of what? Of Jesus Christ, Christ, Israel's Messiah. So we, believing Jews, also have believed In the Greek, it's into, it's not just in, it's into Christ Jesus. That is identification. In fact, you can get into this uh, in Romans. What does Paul say? He says, if you believe that Christ is raised from the dead and you, what, confess him with your lips, him as Lord. Lord is identification. Going from one kingdom to another. So we have also believed into Christ Jesus in order to be, what? Justified or made righteous by the faithfulness of Christ and not by works of the law. What's he doing? He's targeting this distortion of the gospel. What we just read in Acts 15, 5, where this circumcision faction says to the Gentile believers, you need to come in under the law. You might believe in Christ, but you still need to come in under the law. And Paul torpedoes that right here because he said, in order to be justified or made righteous by the faithfulness of Christ, death, burial, and resurrection, and not by works of the law. I mean, that torpedoes what we just read, right? Right? Because that Pharisee stands up, believing Pharisee, and says, well, they need to come in under the law. And Paul says, no, there's no justification. There's none made righteous by works of the law. And that would include circumcision. And then he goes on and says, because by works of the law, because by coming in under the law, no one will be justified or no flesh will be justified. 
Now, what's interesting here, let me get down to it. When, when he quotes, when he says, because by works of the law, no one will be justified, he is quoting, uh, not verbatim, he's actually using, employing Psalm 143.2. Psalm 143.2, and this is out of the law. This is part of the writings. This is out of the law. So Paul takes the law and basically thumps it on them, you know, to show them that even the law says no one's going to be justified by the law. So in 143.2, it says, Enter not into judgment with your servant, for no one living is righteous before you. So Paul uses the last part of 143 to basically say, you're coming in, you're telling them to come under the law. Guess what? The law itself says no one living is righteous before you. So how in the world can you tell the believing Galatians, new believers in Christ, to come in under the law to be saved, to be made righteous, because the law itself says, "Uh uh-uh. That doesn't happen. And so you also have, you also have in this verse, because by works of the law, and this is kind of lost in the ESV, uh, it says that no flesh will be justified. And that's a play on words. Why? Because they're talking about circumcision. They're talking about what? Um, justification in the flesh, in uh, in the manifestation, if you will, of circumcision. Because by works of law, no flesh will be justified. So don't tell them to get circumcised. Don't tell them to come in under the law. Why? Well, you go down to verse 21 that we, we read. This is the entire passage. He says, if righteousness were through the law... Then Christ died for nothing. So you see that. So you see there's been a huge change. And it's a change that the Jews actually do not want to accept. And that is everything has been redefined around Christ Jesus. His death, burial, and resurrection changed everything. They don't want it to change. They want to maintain their status quo. They want to maintain their elected position. Instead of God's gospel going out to everybody, they want to keep it to themselves. And you see that all through the gospels, actually. And you see that judgment came upon them because of that. And so they want to keep it up, even though they are believing Jews. But Paul pretty much torpedoes their whole distortion, the perversion of the gospel right here in verse 16. Yet we know that a person is not made righteous by works of the law, but through the faithfulness of Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. So we, believing Jews, also have believed, have relied on, have have a believing allegiance into Christ Jesus, calling him Lord, in order to be what? Made righteous by the faithfulness of Christ. Amen. And not by works of law. Works of law are done. 
because by works of the law, no flesh will be justified. Torpedoes, I mean, just decimates their perversion of the gospel right there and then. Verses 15 and 16. Amen. But the thing is, with Paul, he doesn't stop there. He goes on to verses 17 through 21. And the interesting thing about these verses is that he's still talking to the believing Jews. Now, let me say this before we end the message. Um, One thing that uh, I guess uh, a, a lot of modern Christianity has done is flattened out, actually flattened out the distinctions between Jews and Gentiles. You know, you go to church for years and years and you don't even hear that there were any distinctions and then you hear things like that preacher that I quoted a few messages ago where he says, Jews can just obey the Hebrew scriptures and they're fine. Paul would say, no, certainly not, no way. But what he's dealing with here in verses 17 through 21 is he still has his head turned to the believing Jews to to really set the gospel out, what he calls the truth of the gospel for them. And then in Galatians 3.1, where he starts off and says, Oh, you foolish Galatians. That's where he turns to the Galatians and speaks to what? Believing Gentiles. And he goes on and he marries the two where we are, what? One man in Christ. Amen. So the new reality is being in Christ Jesus. It's identification. It is not whether somebody's keeping the law. That's what the Jews had before, and there were purposes for that, and we're going to get into that because Paul gets into it in Galatians. But now after the uh, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, it's all about Christ. It's all about uh, the new reality of being in Christ not doing works of the law or even being outside the commonwealth of Israel as a distinction of people. Amen. So let me me conclude with the benediction that Paul does at the end of Galatians. It's Galatians 6.18. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, notice that, our Lord. He's talking about believing Jews and believing Gentiles. Be with your spirit, brothers. Amen.